You know, it is an amazing season. You know, you've heard it um, uh, even being shared. I, I feel this, this is really a very exciting season. There's something in the atmosphere all over the world that God is doing. Don't miss out. Don't just tune in to 1010 because there's an announcement on it. Let your spirit come alive to take hold of what God is releasing into our life, into this atmosphere, into our nation for such a time as this. You know, a quick promo as well. On Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, we also have our altar where we have Dr. Liao, right? Um, he is part of the Ashbury Revival or he's the person that prayed, was instrumental to pray as one of the people that prayed the revival that's happening in Ashbury right now. He's one of the people that prayed into it, and he's actually coming. We had the privilege to have him come um, to speak to us this coming Tuesday for our prayer altar. So do join us for that if you're around. Amen. Okay, um, let's get into the Word today. Are you ready? We're still in our Luke series. Um, and we are covering Luke chapter 8 today. Um, are you ready? We, we'll go, okay? Um, Luke chapter 8, I'm going to cover from verse 40 to 56. I'm going to read this uh, scripture. It's a bulk of it. I want to encourage you, if you can follow, let's read this scripture together. It is a big portion, but let's do this together. Can we do that? Let's keep um, pushing through. 16 verses. Are you ready? Let's go. Ready? One, two, three. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a name, Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl about... 12 was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowd almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him, touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touch me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told him why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. Then he arrived at the house of Jairus. He did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Peter, father. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. 
They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone who had what had happened. This is a very common passage. I think if you've been Christian for even a little bit, you would have heard of this story in one way or another. It's a common um, uh, story that we've heard through the years. But today, as we look at this passage, I notice that there is three people that is mentioned in this passage. There is Jairus, a father of 12 years to his only daughter. There is this woman that was bleeding for 12 years. And there is also this girl who has lived 12 years of her life. 12 years. Let's think about 12 years a little bit. Where were you 12 years ago? 12 years ago. You know, 12 years ago, I was in my mid-30s. I am in my mid-40s right now. Yeah, come on. Um, You know, I was a campus pastor at that time, and my little girl was one year old. Uh, My firstborn was one year old, and I was pregnant with my son. You know, I remember literally about 12 years ago, March in that 12 years ago year, um, I had this college event called Kuslimpik. We rented out Kalana Stadium, literally, and all the different cells came in, the campus, the college cells, and we uh, competed in the track and field. I was jumping and running and doing all sorts of things without knowing I was pregnant at that time. <laughs> I later on found out I was pregnant. That was 12 years ago. What about you? Where were you 12 years ago? What were you doing? Did you have kids? Did you have, not have kids? Were you even married? You know, um, were you in KL? Uh, where were you 12 years ago? So think about it from that point, wherever you have your thought in, where you were 12 years ago, from that point to right now, to that point to right now, that's the duration that these three people lived out all that they had to um, do, that, that they had to go through. That's the duration. And so in this passage, you know, Um, all three of them encountered a touch of Jesus. All three of them encountered a touch of Jesus. But what is this touch that they encountered? They encountered a touch of Jesus that rescues. They encountered a touch of Jesus that restores. And they encountered a touch of Jesus that resurrects. Let me talk a little bit more about this. What is a touch that rescues? Jairus. You know, this this passage, it starts off with this guy called Jairus. He is a synagogue ruler. And, you know, his career probably grew over that 12 years of him being established. um, And now he has become a respected leader. You know, a synagogue is, you know, is the center of Jewish religion and social life at that time. So, you know, he held a position of authority and power in that community. But he wasn't just a leader. He was also a father. 
He was a father that would go all out and do whatever he has to for his child. And you can hear from what we read just now, he loved his child. He loved his child. We don't know if this child was born with a sickness or contracted some sort of sickness, but we know she was dying. She was dying. And here we have a father that went out of his way, disregarded everything and went all out. You know, right now, I want to give a special acknowledgement to parents who have children that are unwell. Um, you know, when my son, my, my second child, he was, um, when he was really young, when he was like two, three years old, he has severe eczema. I remember those days, you know, I would wake up five times a night. I kid you not, I barely slept those years. Five times a night to just cream him and make sure his skin condition is well. And there was this time that he was even hospitalized for three weeks because of eczema. Um, three weeks. And I, I remember when it was really severe, we actually have to bandage his arms and his feet. You know, we cream him and lock in the moisture so that it can last a little bit longer through the night and he won't scratch his skin out. It, it lasted about six, seven years. I, yeah, I, I don't even know how I survived those, those years. But as a parent, you know, we will go all out for our children because they matter. It is worth it. You know, I just want to give an acknowledgement. I, I only went through eczema. I mean, it was tough for me, but I think there are parents that's gone through far worse ailments. They might have gone surgery after surgery. And today, I don't need to, you to put up your hands or whatever. I want to acknowledge you because your sacrifice, your effort, your love, and your heart that you've sown into your child. I just feel today, Father, sees, Father hears, and Father knows. Can I just say a prayer for you? If you could all bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, truly Lord Jesus, I pray that there will be a grace that would rest upon this place for parents that has experienced or is going through that child that is unwell in their homes. Lord, you've seen how these parents have sacrificed. They've gone all out for the child. Lord, I pray right now that your love will just even come and affirm them and assure them that you are their God and that you see them. And like Jairus, who has a daughter that is unwell, you will go to their homes and give them a breakthrough and rescue their child. And so, Lord, I pray that this grace of your healing power will come upon them. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Let's go on. Let's go on. Um, coming back to this passage, we see in verse 40, Jesus just returned from the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He, was, um, he just delivered a demon-possessed man um, the other side. And now he has come back to this side of the Sea of Galilee. But what happened? A large crowd met him there. You know, in verse 42, we just read, it's so big a crowd that almost trampled him. It almost crushed Jesus. And so, here we see this man, Jairus. He was a dignified synagogue ruler, but he waited with everyone else 
for Jesus. He disregarded his own status, his own position, and how other people would view him. And when he saw Jesus, he literally knelt down to his knees and he pleaded with Jesus, come save my daughter, rescue my daughter. There was a desperation in his soul. He wasn't there for himself. He was desperate for the daughter that he loved. You know, do you have a desperation for someone you love? Is it a child? Is it a loved one? A spouse? Parents? Is it a close friend that you've been praying for for years? You know, desperation can be very powerful. Here, when Jairus fell on his knees and pleaded with Jesus, Jesus followed him home. But there was a huge crowd. There was a huge crowd, you know, and so they probably didn't, didn't move as fast as they wanted to. Um, and I believe Jairus would have been really anxious. You know, have you ever, um, have you been late for something and you're really rushing, right? You're late and you're really rushing, but you are not the person that's driving. Um, someone else is driving and they are like, no, 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 no. You know, you tell them, I'm late. They are like, oh, yes, yes but they're not driving fast. You know, I have a need for speed, right? Even when I'm not late, I feel people are driving slow. When I am late, oh my gosh, I, I literally would want to like, come, let me do it, you know? Uh, but have you been in that situation where you're like, come on, let's go, let's go? Jairus would multiply that a thousand times for Jairus because his daughter is literally dying. He had an urgency. He was like, come on, Jesus, let's go, let's go, you know. Um, but then Jesus stopped. Wow, I think he must have wanted to melt at that point. He stopped and he said, who touched me? I think Jairus would look over and who cares, you know. <laughs> he said, what, what, who cares? Everybody's touching you. Come on, fight it, fight it, let's go. But, you know, can you imagine Jairus? Oh my gosh. But he, Jesus um, didn't stop there. He said again, who touched me? I think this is where Jairus realized something really important is happening here. And of course, he witnessed an amazing miracle. Sometimes in our rush of going through as urgent a thing it might be, don't miss the miracle that is unfolding right in front of us. You know, in that moment, Jairus saw this amazing miracle and I believe he would have felt so affirmed, my daughter has hope. This is the moment. You know, everything is going to fall into place. It, it will happen. This is it. And just as he felt this is it, news came. News came that his daughter is dead. His daughter is dead. I think his whole life would have crashed before him at that point. That would probably be the lowest moment in his life. Everything else almost didn't matter anymore. Jesus, uh, the crowd, uh, everything else wouldn't work. He would feel like he's actually floating. Maybe he can't quite receive, accept the reality yet. And it, it would have been a drastic moment. Um, do you remember the lowest moment in your life? You know, probably you might have received some form of bad news. 
And probably that memory of that lowest moment in your life might still be clear in your mind when you receive that bad news or when, when that thing happened to you. Was it a loss of an unborn child? Was it cancer, news of cancer that came? Was it a business that had to go under? Um, what was that lowest moment of your life? Do you know it is in these valley of the shadow of death that God wants to encounter us the most? You know, in Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Do, uh, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. This is similar to what we hear in Luke 8. Hearing this, Jesus told Jairus, Jesus told Jairus, do not be afraid. Fear no evil, for I am with you. Just believe. Your daughter will be healed. When God meets us in our lowest point, usually it's not like just Snap, God has revealed himself. He wants to meet us at our lowest point and everything is fine. You know, I, I really believe Jairus didn't. Like, Jesus told him, um, your daughter will be safe. And he's like, wow, thank God. Okay, let's continue our journey and let's walk back to my house now and let everything be fine. I, I really don't think that's what it is. These moments, when we go through our lowest moment and we know God is there for us, these are the moments that there is a conflict of belief that happens to us. This conflict of belief will really be, you know, we know that God is a good God. He's a miracle-working God. We could have just witnessed a, a miracle like Jairus. He just witnessed a miracle. But will that miracle happen to me? For Jairus, his daughter is still dead. His daughter is still dead. But Jesus said, she's going to be healed. I, really? Um... Uh, it, it feels like there's no more hope and there are voices of people. Don't, don't bother the, the teacher anymore, you know, because she's dead. There are voices that will tell you, no, but there's no more hope. And so he will wrestle with that. Is there really no more hope? But, you know, I believe as Jairus continued on in that journey, he kept on walking with Jesus. He would have looked, you know, he would have doubted. As he doubted, he would look at Jesus. And said, but Jesus said, my daughter will be healed. So he walk on, and maybe hopelessness and sadness will overwhelm him again. But he'll keep going and look at Jesus and said, Jesus said, my daughter will be healed. You know, the key thing is Jairus kept on walking with Jesus in his doubt, in his confusion, in that lowest moment of his life, he kept on walking with Jesus. Sometimes when we face things that are so final, they, you know, that is so decided, it's done deal, it's decided, we can tend to disengage and sometimes we stop walking with Jesus. But you know, today I feel God is telling us, keep walking with Jesus. 
Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep remembering what Jesus have told you. Hold on to his word. Jairus kept walking with Jesus. He kept his eyes on Jesus. He kept holding on to the word that Jesus said, your daughter, my daughter will be healed. And finally, they arrive in his home. They arrive in Jairus' home. The people were wailing and mourning. Have you been to a wake service or funeral service before? Somehow in wake services and funeral services, um, there is a certain atmosphere. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. It's just, it's almost every wake, every, there is, no matter how peaceful or distressing, there is a certain atmosphere, solemn, uh, solemn atmosphere in that place. But if there is someone that's crying loudly or wailing in that funeral, oh my gosh, that atmosphere intensifies significantly. That is the atmosphere that Jesus walked into. When Jesus arrived in Jairus' home, he walked into an atmosphere of people wailing and crying and it was solemn and there was a darkness over it. But when he went in, he took Jairus and his wife into the house and shut everyone else out. He brought Jairus and the wife into the house. Sometimes we need to lock ourselves in a room with Jesus. Husbands and wives, you need to lock yourself in a room with Jesus. So, and tune out the voices of people. Tune up distractions that can take hold of you and press in to see the deliverance for your family. Press in to see the deliverance for your business, for your workplace, for the people that is around you. That's a situation that you need breakthrough for. You need to lock yourself in and press in. Only when they got into this space where they were alone with Jesus, when Jairus and the wife was alone with Jesus and the crowd was outside, most of the disciples were even outside. There was only three other disciples in there with them. Only in this atmosphere was the daughter rescued. Jesus is mighty to save. Jesus is mighty to save. When you encounter a touch of Jesus, you will be rescued. Amen? Come on. When you encounter a touch of Jesus, you will be rescued. When you encounter a touch of Jesus, you will be restored. Let's look at this other story. There's this woman. You know, after hurting for 12 years, she was known more for her issue. She was a woman with the issue of blood. We don't know her name. We don't know how she looks like. We don't know where she's from. But... We know her for her issue. You know, she's identified with the issue. Sometimes the issue that we face can even go before a person. You know, that so-and-so son that is into drugs. What's the name? We don't know. We don't know more. But wow, some people can be known for issue. Oh, you know that, that guy. Oh, what's his name? I forgot. But wow, with the anger issue one. You know, got anger problem. Oh, wow, very moody one. You know that fella, that, the short hair one, the short hair. Uh, very moody. You know, sometimes we can be known for our issue more than even we are known for who we are. You know, this is how this woman was known for. 
she was known for her issue. She had a bleeding issue. In the Gospel of Mark, right, it tells us that not only um, did she have this bleeding issue, she suffered a great deal. She spent all her money on medication, and not only did it not get better, it got worse for 12 years. That's what happened. You know, I, I researched and tried to look up what is this condition that she had. It is believed that it is vaginal hemorrhage. So basically, she has a period, she's bleeding, you know, and it doesn't stop. Yeah. Um, if you have a problem with that, deal with it. Every woman goes through it, but it stops, okay, every month. Um, but for this woman, it doesn't stop. Um, so she is bleeding non-stop. But if it's a sickness, then never mind. But what did, at that time, what this woman is known for, she would be tagged unclean. So in the Jewish tradition, right, she's tagged unclean. Why? Because Leviticus 15 tells us when a woman has a discharge of blood for many years at a time other than her monthly period or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge. Any bed she lies on, anything she sits on, anyone she touches will be unclean. Wow, so she is really considered unclean and this is quite a big deal because whoever she touches will be unclean for the rest of the day or so because they also will kena. Um, but worse, to top it off, uh, not, like that is not bad enough. When someone was sick at that time with the condition that she had, it's actually considered her fault. You know, either she sinned or the parents sinned. You know, it's her fault. Wow, imagine having these labels placed on her. You know, she, she would probably not only carry this physical sickness pain, she would have also carried this emotional failure and shame that would have been with her all these years. You know, having lived with this label for 12 years, I believe her life would have been, she would sneak out to do things, she would sneak back in to do things so that she can go about what she needs to do. And um, not only that, she will probably want to live a quiet life. Nobody needs to know her, nobody needs to hear her, and she's okay so long as people don't, find problem for her, she's quite happy. I think some of us are like that. You know, we want to live a quiet life. We don't want people to know whatever. We're, we just want to live uh, a quiet life, sneak in here, sneak in there. You know, you come into church, you don't want to know anybody. You go out of church, you come back, you love Jesus. But, you know, we, we, some of us are like that. You know, but... So, so for her, right, to get out of her house that day, it actually took a lot of courage and boldness. You know, she must have heard that Jesus performs this miracle somewhere and there is this amazing um, person that heals. And so she said, okay, let's do this. Nobody needs to know who I am. I'm going to go on stealth mode once again. You know, like just... Uh, dun -a, dun -a, and then just move in and, into this place. Nobody needs to know them. And, and you know, just... just all I need is that edge of his cloak, that garment, just that little bit. I, if I can just touch it, you know, something will happen to me. I don't know if I'll be healed, but I want to believe I will be healed. I just want to do that. Then she gets out of the house with all this boldness and courage that she, she, she conjures up, and then she sees the crowd. Oh man, I didn't expect it to be such a large crowd. 
You know, and I, I believe, okay, this is my version of reading this story. I would believe, wow, because there is such a large crowd, it almost trampled Jesus, remember? She would have gone, I think I'm going to chicken out. I think this crowd is too big a crowd for me. But you know what I think? As she was deciding to chicken out from far, far away, hey, but I see Jesus. I see Jesus. He is right there. I have come so far. It's been 12 years that I've been bleeding, that I've been so ashamed of this condition. I'm so sick of this condition. And I see Jesus. Let me just push in a little. He's just there. I've got my eyes on him. Let me just push in a little. Let me break through this crowd. Let me just press in a little bit. And as she was pushing in, she's actually pushing against the condemning words. She's like, oh man, if these people know that I am touching them, I will be in serious problem. They will come and probably kill me. But I see Jesus. Let me push in that little bit more. That shame that people would judge me for, I want to push in a little bit more. And she reaches him. That little bit, she touched him and immediately she was healed. Wow! The miracle happened. It works. I think she was shocked himself. She didn't know whether it worked or not. But it works. Just one touch. She was restored. She experienced a touch of Jesus that restores. You know, generally, a female, when they stop their blood flow, I said, everyone, every month, a woman will go through their blood flow. When they stop their blood flow, it's not like a distinct feeling like zoop. Wow, I know I've stopped my period. Like, you know, it doesn't happen that way. Um, yeah. Um, but do you know what? We will know when pain stops. When pain stops, we know. This woman knew she had healing coming over her because she was in great pain. It stopped. But now, this is where the drama happens. Jesus asks, who touched me? And she will be like, die. Um, I hope he doesn't see me. Oh, nobody see me, nobody see me. I didn't want to be, no. If they knew I touched her, you know, gone. But he asked again, who touched me? Power has gone out. You know, for an unclean woman, you know, I gave you the scenario. To own up that she has touched someone is huge. She was trembling. Her worst fear came to be. But do you know perfect love casts out fear? She wanted a physical healing, but Jesus wanted to give her more. He wanted to give her more than just a physical healing. He, want, he didn't just want to transfer power to her. No. She, he wanted to give her her dignity and restore that sense of worth back to her. In this act that he publicly asked, who touched me? He was restoring to her the years the locusts have eaten. She came in privately, but she was publicly acknowledged. Jesus said, her faith 
has healed her. Her faith has healed her. She experienced a touch of Jesus that restores. She experienced a touch of Jesus. As you can see my slide, I'm actually giving you a timeline, but I keep forgetting to click it. So bear with me, okay? I'm too into my, you know, whatever that's happening. So bear with my slide. Um, so here we have it. A touch of Jesus that rescues. A touch of Jesus that restores. And lastly, a touch of Jesus that resurrects. A touch of Jesus that resurrects. We have this girl. We have this girl, she's 12 years old, full of life and promise that's supposed to be ahead of her. You know, in the Jewish tradition, when a girl turns 12, they are actually celebrated by this event called the Bat Mitzvah. Bat Mitzvah. For a boy, it will be, it's called Bar Mitzvah. I can't seem to move my slide. Maybe if you all can help me. Yeah, so anyway, a girl, um, a boy at 13 years old, he will celebrate Bar Mitzvah. But for a girl, is at 12 years old. At 12 years old, she celebrates this event called the Bat Mitzvah. It's basically a coming-to-age coming um, ceremony that all these older people will throw a big party for them and start declaring greatness over their life, a bright future over their life, and, and celebrate them in a big way. But here, this girl, Jairus' daughter, instead of being celebrated, death was pronounced over her. Death was pronounced over her. She was dying. We don't know what's her condition, but we know she's dying. You know, the, she, and she was in critical condition, so much so that life was seeping away from her. She hasn't reached her full potential. She hasn't reached her full potential. Um, or even started to see what her life could have been. But she passed away. She died. And of course, Jesus said she was asleep. I don't know if you all can relate to this. You know, when I was really preparing this, I was praying, saying, God, what is this? Who is this girl? You know, is it the next generation? But as, as I was doing that, um, I feel God just revealing to me that some of us here are in the same place as this 12-year-old girl, so much promise was supposed to be ahead of you. Something was supposed, something amazing was anticipating to be happened, but something cut it short. Maybe, you know, you were in uni, but your family experienced a financial crisis and you had to stop studying. Maybe your parents got divorced and everything that you planned had to change for the future. Maybe it was a business full of hope and promise and you were about to start it and COVID hit. It never even saw the light of day. Maybe you got pregnant far earlier than you wanted to and your plan had to change. Something happened and snuffed out the promise and the future you could have had. I'm not sure if you can relate to this, but as I was preparing that, this, you know, I, I was suddenly, I, I looked at this and said, hey, this girl had a whole future that was supposed to happen. But before it could even take place, it was taken from her. But you know, today, I feel Jesus wants to breathe new life 
to us. Jesus wants to breathe new life to us. Jairus' daughter's story begins when Jesus reached Jairus' home. When Jesus reached Jairus' home. What happened when Jesus reached Jairus? There was, you know the story, there was a crowd that was willing and mourning. They could have been family members. They could have been people that were close to this Jairus family. Um, they could be well-meaning people. They are not bad people. You know, so, but, but despite being possibly in an environment, atmosphere of love, faith has disappeared in that atmosphere. They might speak of what happened. Why wow, the daughter was so late towards the last moments of her life. You know, they might be recounting what has happened, but they did not speak faith and life into that atmosphere. When Jesus walked into that atmosphere, he actually kept everyone out of the house. He silenced the crowd. He silenced the wailing and mourning because faith needed to come back into the atmosphere if we want to see life growing in the child again. Faith has to arise if whatever in your life has been cut short, it never saw the potential of what it could have been, but faith must come back in order for you to see life again. He breathed new life into the child and her spirit returned. And Jesus turned to the child, held the child by the hand and saying, my child, get up. My child, get up. This is what this Easter season is all about. He is not dead. He is alive. Don't stay dead. Come alive. There is power in this place when Jesus encounters us. You know, all it takes is a touch from Jesus and we can be rescued. One touch from Jesus, we can be restored. And one touch from Jesus, we can come back alive. We can resurrect. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm really closing now. It's a simple sermon. It's a simple sermon, but I feel God, that there's just a presence of God in this place. Right at the start, when I came on the stage, you know, the side couldn't even just go on as per what I wanted because there's such a presence of God in this place. You know, when these three people encountered Jesus, Jairus, he was rescued as a father. When the daughter died, he was no longer a father because he only had one child. That was his only child. But he was rescued as a father. His identity as a father was reinstated. I feel some of us here, we need to just take hold of that identity as a father once again might have been lost for whatever reason, circumstances. But I feel God wants us to take back this authority to fight for your family, to take hold of what 
the years the locusts have eaten, what the enemy wants to destroy, kill, steal and destroy. And God is saying, He is mighty to save. Jairus was reinstated, was rescued as a father. For the woman with the issue of blood, do you know when she was healed, her faith has healed her, Jesus turned to her. And this is the only time recorded in the New Testament, Jesus calling anyone this term. He turned to her and said, Daughter. He restored her into a family. He redeemed her identity as daughter. And for this girl, when Jesus touched him, he resurrected her identity as a child of God. He was specific. He said, my child, my child, Lord Jesus. Amen. I feel, can we just touch Jesus right now? In wherever you, wherever you are, whatever, um, whatever spoke to you or however this sermon came to you today, let's just even allow the presence of God to fill us right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, just if you can remain seated, I want to just pray and I just want to worship. I want to worship for a while, but I feel I need to open the altar. I do want to open the altar, but can we just allow the presence of God to just minister to us right now? Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, we need you. We need a touch of Jesus because we need you to rescue us. We need you to restore us. We need you to resurrect us. Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, come Lord Jesus. Oh Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you, Jesus. You know, yes Lord, be that way maker for us, Lord Jesus. You are here. Move, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. You know, I just want to give a call to three groups of people. Those that need rescues, so that needs to be restored, and those that needs to be resurrected. You know, if you have a burden for someone, it might be your child, it might be a loved one, it might not be your child, it could be for someone. And that someone is dear to you and you're praying for their salvation, come back to church. First of all, you need to invite them to our Easter service next weekend. But like Jairus who was desperate, went on his knees and pleaded with Jesus. Jesus is mighty to save. I need you in faith to step out shortly and respond to this altar call and just stand in the gap on behalf of this person and really believe deliverance. It could be a friend that's at the brink of divorce and you know you have been fighting for them, you've been there for that person. Whatever that circumstances is, there is a touch that can rescue today. The second group of people is you've been bleeding for years. It could be a physical sickness. 
it could be that shame, that judgment, that feeling of insignificance that has been labelled on you and it's been years, the bleeding has to stop. Come receive a touch of Jesus. And the last one, your promise has been cut short. From that moment, you have always said, if only that happened, I would have been someone different. It's time to stop reminiscing. It's time to let faith come into the atmosphere and come back alive. When we worship, let's worship again. I want to invite all of us to stand as we worship again. And I feel if you need prayer or if you have any other thing that God spoke to you today and you want prayer, I want to encourage you to come forward, tell the pastors and leaders that's in front and let's take hold of what God wants to release into your life today. Yes, Lord, I feel that God is not done. There are some of you that needs to respond to this altar. I'm not just pushing it because of pushing it. I just feel there is an atmosphere here and God is calling out to you. I, I want to appeal to you, respond to Jesus. Don't respond to my call or anyone else because Jesus wants to give you that breakthrough today. Yes, Lord Jesus. For the rest of you, I just want to say a prayer and close the service today because I know God is at work but our time is also up. So I want to say a prayer, a closing prayer, a prayer of blessing for all of you even as we come to the end of this service. But if God is nugging in your heart, please come forward and respond to Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord that you are our awesome God, that you see, that Father God sees, Father God hears, Father God knows, and Father God sees us right at that back corner or whether we're right in front or whether we are even just lost in our own home. Lord, I pray that you will continue to meet us at that place of grace, Oh, Lord Jesus, I know your love is here. And so, Lord, I pray that even as we end this service today, that, Lord, let there be a touch of Jesus that goes forth with everyone today. Lord, I pray a blessing over every person that is here today. And, Lord, even in this coming week, everything that they put their hands to, that you will just prosper the work of their hands. Lord, anoint their hands even as they take care of their family, as they interact with their children, as they interact with their friends. Lord, let there be, let there be such an anointing that will come over them. And Lord, I pray that as they go forth, they will go forth with peace and let the mountain and the field will break out with praises before them. And so, Lord, I pray that there will be such a rejoicing even as we release everyone into their own lives this week ahead. So, thank you, Father, for your presence that is here. I pray for your blessing to come over everyone. So, may the love of the Father, may the uh, uh, <laughs> grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit Spirit rests upon each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, church. Ministry is still going in front. I want to remind you, it's Passion Week coming ahead. 
do join us in 1010 and the different altars that we have. Have a blessed week. Invite your friends. Take an invitation card and invite your friends back to our Easter service. And for those that God is still calling you, prayer is still going on in front, I want to invite you to still come forward to be prayed for. Thank you, Jesus.